Germany. Somehow these things always start out by me talking about Germany, usually pissing off the Germans, but by the time we go live on air, I think we're probably live by now. Uh, welcome to another yeah. episode of Gobsmacked. And um, I was just saying that somewhere in the world it's uh, beer o'clock and somewhere in the world the pubs are open and I should have actually had a, a beer or something here. But joined again today by my good mate, Patrick Curry, over here. There you go. We're trying to do that whole thing again. Ah, too tired to coordinate. Yeah, just don't do that one, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am sleep deprived today like crazy. So that is that's a level of coordination beyond my control. I mean, we um, we ended last time. Yeah, in the meantime, we, you, I know you've you've been away in the deep dark depths of Black Zone. Canada, oh, don't start me on that. Reception. <laughs> Mate, it was five point. It was five degrees temperature. Wind chill factor down to minus one point five, and it was raining. So Ooh. it was miserable and bitter and just. Why would you live in Canberra? Mate, it's your own fault for going. Let's be honest. I've been there. I've been. <laughs> I've been there twice in my life. Once as a young boy, uh, with the yep. school, uh, and we went to the old Violet Crumble uh, Parliament Building. Oh, yeah. yep. um, the last time I went, I was actually on a trip to the New South Wales Victoria border to go and visit a mate who owns a, an organic winery down there, and we had this old Ford Falcon which just didn't make it past Canberra. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up in Canberra, and instead of going there as a boy, we, we conceived my son. There's nothing to do in Canberra apart from drink, get takeaway, and have sex. That's what we did. Apart from, of course, we did go to the new Capitol building. Um, and um, you know, you know, my wife's Dutch, right? So um, we, we we pull up there. We have got this Falcon. We park under the Capitol building. I had jerry cans of water because the radiator was leaking, and the, and the uh, yeah. The, the oil was spewing everywhere, so I had a bloody big five-litre can of oil behind the driver's seat. I get out of the car underneath the um, underneath the, the Capitol building where we parked, and I look behind the driver's seat, and I said to my wife, jokingly, I said, if you didn't know anybody, you'd think we had a bomb, right? <laughs> Don't say words like that, for God's sake, not around there. No, well, we go upstairs, right, and you have to go through the scanner. And as we yeah. go through the scanner, um, the, the, the female officer pulls my wife to the side and says, man, would you mind, you know, sir, would you go over there and stand there? And, man, would you come here? And she starts to, you know, scan her down. And my wife being Dutch says, oh, did you notice the Dutch accent? You look at you, you're scanning for drugs. And the woman says in a very cold, dry voice, no, ma'am, explosives. <laughs> so if you're going to park under the Capitol building, don't say anything. Uh, they have microphones down there. <laughs> I um yeah, exactly. I, I've only got, been to Canberra maybe four times in my life, and every time has been a negative. The worst was when I was about thirteen, I suppose. The young, healthy boy, full of hormones, and and I was we were going through the the, the um, um, military museum down there, the national museum, and uh, I was feeling very. I had a major headache. I was feeling sick in the stomach. It was a migraine. So I've left mum and dad, and I've walked outside, and I've seen this. To me, a gorgeous young girl, about my age. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit of all right. But just as I pulled my lips apart to smile, I just vomited everywhere through my teeth because of the migraine. You know, obviously, any further comment or, or conversation with that girl was now gone because she just looked horrified and ran, screaming like a banshee, away from me. 
that was the beginning of my connection with Canberra, and it has never gotten any better. Mate, I look at Canberra like this. Without depression setting. Canberra is to Australia what um, Belgium is to to Europe in the sense that Belgium, you know, Belgium in Belgium they speak Flemish, which is like Dutch, and yeah. and think about it, Belgium lies, yeah, and, and it lies direct. So Brussels speaks French. They're in the French part. Antwerpen they speak Flemish, Dutch because it's in the Dutch area. And if you think about it, Belgium lies directly between France and the Netherlands, right? right. So right. So Netherlands, Dutch, Holland, right? And if you think about it, all the, you know, the French have some pretty good-looking people. The Dutch have some pretty good-looking people. They're all sort of pretty intelligent. Um, in a way, it's no wonder that the European Parliament's in Belgium um, because my theory on Belgium has always been that they took all the ugly and stupid people and put them in Belgium. Right? And that's how so if you're in Belgium or you are Belgian, my apologies. Um, no, actually, don't worry about that. Don't give a rat's up. My, my theory about Canberra is it's not this whole, well, we couldn't decide whether it should be Sydney or Melbourne. They just thought, well, we need a place to put all the ugly and stupid people. And, you know, it just became the seat of parliament, obviously, as did, you know, Brussels is one of the two seats of parliament in, in Europe. Um, I'll get, you know, because, because they had the second seat of parliament in Europe, which is Strasbourg, because... Again, the, the 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 French needed to have you know something, and so uh, every European government has to pay twice for all their people um, to to have residence and, and all the rest of it. Anyway, we're a little bit off topic today, but it doesn't matter. No, but it's a good <laughs> it's segue. It's a good segue for that because um, we were talking about um, fiat economies last time and commodities and and uh, gold standard etc. So yep. what started me thinking was the fact that I saw that um, uh, China has been buying um, humongous amounts of gold since about December 2018. And they're now well over the um, 2,500 tonnes of gold, bullion. I mean, America's still got 8,500, but they're, they're dropping it down. English, everybody's selling off the gold, but China's buying it. Um, and I was doing some t reading this morning and... Uh, on fiat economies, et cetera, and the, the pros and cons. And what's interesting is that the European um, community there uh, use the euro as their um, their, their um, basis for the value of their, their money. But the euro is, in fact, then validated by the value of the American dollar. So you can see how all of this is just a circuit of paper supporting paper. It's just a a crazy um, imaginary concept, a construct that has no real value because in 1971, uh, America was taken off the gold standard and put onto fiat by um, uh, Nixon. And so from then on, the value of their money is all based around the value of their economy. So the more valuable their economy, the more stable their money. Well, we've just seen recently, as in right now, the instability of the global markets and that all of this paper is becoming to be nothing more than just paper or in our case plastic well it's the thing but let's and let's be honest it's not even paper and plastic anymore because it's only like uh roughly four percent i think you mentioned one country where it's only one percent it's only four yep. percent of the Sweden. total currency of of a country is actually in paper and metal or plastic and metal the rest is ones and zeros yeah. on the screen and when Australia, Australia effectively did the same thing, you know, we, we introduced this, this BS thing called the Reserve Bank of Australia, 
Um, and and since since we flowed in the dollar and all the rest of it, we've we've lost all value in the dollar as well. It's just ones and zeros perceived you know value on the screen. Now of course the Chinese are doing what they're doing with gold and and there's a lot of speculation out there about whether or not they're going to introduce gold saying quite frankly after everything's happened these recent months i think we should just get back at the passes and go and make it a uh, a sand based you know let's all just say fuck it gold's not worth anything anymore irrespective of all the you know yeah. historical reasons back to 3100 bc when it was first sort of fucking mentioned as a as a valuable commodity worth what two and a half times the amount of silver by the meanies bloody dynasty founder yep. um, let's just go and screw the chinese over and say fuck it uh let's uh, sand is the new valuable content um the only problem with that of course is that um it would have to be uh, demineralized sand because that's pretty much all we're getting left with uh, up and down the coast it's of australia right. not because of climate warming and, and rising tides mind you but you you were mentioning something to me before about that it's um got to do with um yeah. uh, the, the mining that's going on or the minerals isn't it yeah well get yeah, all around the I guess the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they were mining all the way up and down the East Coast for a thing called ilmenite. Ilmenite is used in uh, a whole, or used to be used in a whole heap of things like making um, casts, you know, for metal casting. They would make sand moulds to pour the metal in. It was ilmenite. They use it for sandblasting because there's no uh, silicosis involved. Mm -hmm. So when they dragged mm -hmm. all these heavy minerals out of the sand, now the sand is light, and so the waves come in on a big storm, wash it all out, and then the beach is gone. It's got nothing to do with. I hate to do that, but I do. You're right. Okay. Um, it's um, the, the, that's not the rising sea levels. It's the bloody ilmenite and other heavy minerals that were taken out of the sand. So only the light sand is left. That's why we have the problem. You know. So anyway, to commodities. Um, we were just talking earlier on. Fuel is a commodity. Oil is a commodity. And now that we've only got three of our original, I think seven or eight um, um, refineries, our cat crackers, skeletic crackers, uh, left going in Australia, we now import pretty much about 85% of our petrol and diesel. Now, I don't know, can you hear that? Is that annoying? The car just started no, out the door. It, it is, yeah. My mum and dad are just leaving. Um, I've, let, I've let them out for the day. So long as they're good kids, they can go. Um, but petrol uh, and diesel, we import the majority of it from, well, 10% comes from China, believe it or not, China, but also from South Korea and from Singapore. But the problem is we only have 21 days supply of petrol and diesel in this country, 20, and that includes petrol that's already and diesel that's already in the, in the tanks of the vehicles. That includes that. 21 days supply. We're on a razor blade edge. Mate, and and um, only now is the um, federal um, um, energy minister talking about building up the reserves. Only now, and yet for years we've had this twenty-one day supply. We've got about sixty something days in LPG. So I'm thinking of going buying myself one of those LPG factory Falcons. You know, they're brilliant. <laughs> Getting well, a no, a friend of mine's got one. He'll do twelve hundred kilometres on on the tank. Because they've got two big tanks in them, massive tanks, 1,200 kilometres, and at 62 cents a litre at the moment. Why wouldn't you? Anyway, my point is this country is, is um, on a razor blade edge from a major crash from its uh, money. Hello, hello, hello. That's all right. I can't hear you. You're gone. 
your volume's gone. Oh, there we go. My back. Yeah, back. No, and your say, front. Just keep, just keep talking because this is what happens during COVID lockdown. I'll just mute. So you what's keep your, going. What's his name? Quentin, say hello to everybody. What's, hello. What's your name? Hello. What's your name? Quentin. You're off the screen. There you go. Quentin. Good to meet you, mate. All right, you, you should talk, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got a hard start in life, Quentin, with a father like that. Anyway, <laughs> you know, we... we we need to be, we need to realise that we are not as stable or as reliable with our resources as we think. Uh, our our dollar is down to what seventy one cents. Yep. Our fuel is is on the limit, and and I'm not worried about petrol. If I have to use public transport, I'll use public transport. I can use my push bike. Um, but diesel, how do we get if there's no diesel and it's all been sequestered over to the military and to the fire brigade and police and ambulance, etc. How does how does food and supplies get to Woolworths, Coles, and Aldi, etc.? Yeah, I mean, can you just know, imagine yeah. the drama that would happen in our society if if if, if you didn't have food? Hmm. I mean, trains and everything go only so far. You what, sorry? I said trains and everything only go so far. It's like last mile supply at the very minimum goes by truck. And and a lot yeah. more goes by truck. I mean, let's be honest, the majority of stuff, you know, has to go from the farm to the train by truck, and then and then even the trains are diesel. So uh, I think a lot of people don't really get that. They say, "Ah, oh, yeah, but electric cars and all the rest of it." Yeah, but guess what? You know, you can do without your car. I, I've not driven a car now for I don't know how long it's been. A couple of years now, right? Um, we were supposed right. to be overseas. Gave up the car. Didn't bother buying a new one. We do everything by bike and by walking, and then the occasional public transport if we need to. And if we really need to go somewhere which is not accessible. Well, we'll go and do a, a day hire of something, right? And I get the yeah. impression a lot of people are doing that whole day. Apart from apart from the young blokes, uh, young people who don't go and get mortgages anymore, they just go and buy a, a really expensive car and pour all their bloody money in and piss their money up against the wall with it. Um, but I get a lot yeah. of the impression a lot of people are just doing that more these days. But mm. you know, you can get by without a car. What you can't get by with is food and supplies, unless we all go and make ourselves self sufficient. Um, like the Tambourine Mountain Project or stuff like that. Uh, yeah. You know, great, great project. Um, you got the paperwork on that, I gather. I do, yeah, it's very cool. Been around for a while too. Um, yeah. you know, supply chain, even even internally in the country, and Australia is a freaking big country. It's not like the Netherlands where uh, you want something, you could literally do it on your bike. You know, within, yeah. within riding distance on your bike, you could go From border to border. Yeah, you could. I mean, yeah. Well, the Netherlands fits in, in, in a, inside, or you know, north to south, fits between Newcastle and Wollongong. No, they. <laughs> and it's about the population of Australia. It puts Australia's size in perspective, doesn't it? And 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 the constraints that we have on 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 our personal transport design. You know, um, electric vehicles. I mean. Don't start me. I've been talking. I'm a member of the Shannon's Club, and, and we have regular discussions, and not one of us is in agreement that electric vehicles, or maybe one, is in agreement that electric vehicles are a future. Um, I think there are other alternatives, but we, that's not that's another thing for another day. Same as vehicles. You what? Nuclear reactors like Back to the Future or what? No, no, no. I'm thinking more along the lines of fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells. 
mm. things like that. Um, there's, a, there's a range of other alternatives. Um, and, of course, you know, for, what people don't understand is that Ford's uh, fuel injection system, they use a thing called wet fuel inje- wet gas injection. It's the most advanced and most economical gas injection system in the world. That's why these cars get 1,200, 1,300 kilometres to a tank fill in the, the, the factory LPG. We have some really great technology wow. in these engines, but everybody's leaning towards tech for the sake of tech, and that's what's happening. And, I mean, smartphones. Why do we need smartphones? Honestly, we've been convinced. We're getting off subject. But, anyway, my point is that we, we have We are and we are, but, you know, I agree with you about tech. Science has become – science hasn't been around that long, right? Science has been around about 500 years. Yet it's become the new religion. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's become it's become the new religion. It's the thing that people, yeah. you know, whether whether they're talking and especially I was gonna say whether they're talking medication and pharmaceuticals, but especially in the medication and pharmaceutical industry, unless they can prove scientifically it doesn't exist and people become addicted to this concept of science. Oh yes, it's 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 gotta be proven scientifically. You know, like really? Yeah. Can you can you prove God scientifically? I I I I dare anyone to prove scientifically the existence of God. And they were going to come up with some esoteric thing. Look, um, the, the thing that concerns me, uh, I saw a thing recently, um, a documentary with that uh, Dr. Brian Cox. Yeah. You know that Brian Cox? He yeah. used to be a rock star as well. He's a keyboard player. He talks about the cosmos. He took all that sort of stuff. Look, he's very presentable. He's very attractive. I like listening to him. But then he said this really strange thing, right? And he said, the general consensus amongst scientists today is blah, 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 blah. I thought straight away, I went, there's no consensus in science. It's either an irrefutable fact or it's a theory. It, it's not about consensus. And once you've got scientists saying, well, the consensus is this, well, that's not science, Right. It's no longer scientific method. And and so many scientists are moving in that direction of consensus because they've got to protect their income, they've got to protect their reputation, they've got to protect their their um their organization's grant structure. So they're going with consensus rather than this is truth with a capital T. No, okay. we'll just go with consensus. Okay. But let's 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 look at let's look at you know, and I don't disagree with you. Let's look though at irrefutable fact. Irrefutable fact from science is nothing more than consensus. I'm not saying that they're, that they're right to call, you know, say there's, there's consensus or whatever. I'm just saying that in the, in the context of song, these irrefutable facts that they come up with are generated by the, the they, they go out with the intention to prove something, to prove it scientifically. And as we know, Schrodinger's cat experiment um, and, all, and, and, and all those sorts of things, um, the the, the fact we even even double blind gold standard testing can be influenced by the people doing it, irrespective of what they do or don't know. Right? Yeah. And when they prove something, it is nothing more than a validation of their theory to be fact, be a thing they call fact, and it becomes truth because it's been proven by this process to be factual in that point in time and a whole bunch of other people who peer review it 
agree with them. So they have consensus around the agreement that this is fact. And it only remains fact until such time as someone else comes along and disproves it. That's right. And because they're not really, um, they're not really um, operating under the true definition of the scientific method. And the scientific method is uh, an experiment that will prove a, a point that can be operated by anybody at any time, anywhere in the world, and get exactly the same result. That's the scientific method. But what they have now is, as I said, consensus. And, and so our whole society, and, and as well as in politics, we've now got to the point of um, not choosing what to know, but choosing who to believe. Mm. And that's what's mm -hmm. happening. So people, for example, are watching just from a, from a, a general a population perspective, those that watch Fox and only Fox in America are in love with Trump or were originally because that's all Fox talked about was the positives, whereas you get CNBC or, or CBC or NBC or whatever, and they were anti-Trump. So it comes down, so instead of looking at both sides, they've chosen who to believe, not what to believe, mm -hmm. and that's the same thing with a lot of to do with science. They're choosing... Um, who to follow, who to study and who to peer review rather than what to study and what to follow and what to peer review. And, and I, I just I find that very troubling, that we're no longer well, looking for trouble with a capital T. Well, I, I agree. And, and, and listen, um, the saying that Victor's right history is so true. Um, what, what we read is a product of who was in control at the time. What we see is a product of who was in control at the time. So the history books in the DDR, the German Democratic Republic, um, were completely different to the Federal Republic of Germany until the wall came down, of course. Russia's history books, North Korea, China, all their history Tell books. Surprise. Yeah, completely different. They were all looking at Vietnam. History books on the war in mm -hmm. Vietnam, totally different. The victors write the history. And... It, we see it. We see it uh, happening now with this whole COVID thing as well. And we've seen over this. It doesn't matter which government you turn to, whether it's the Australian, the American, some or, or some other dictatorship, you know, somewhere in the world. Um, you know, uh, books and publications of various forms are forbidden from time to time. Um, wasn't on this call. It was on another on another video chat. I mentioned that uh, a book that was a staple, you know, like an absolute solid rock standard solid with you know within the reading literature of, of my generation going to school was aldous huxley brave new world we all read it yeah. we had to read it i actually enjoyed it you know figured that one out um but between it was 32 to 37 in australia it was forbidden it was banned we look at what's happening right now with um a whole bunch of video content being put up on youtube um by people who seem to have all the academic and establishment type of qualifications and yet it's being taken down because it doesn't suit the current narrative. Now, in 10 years' time... David Icke. Oh, David yeah. Icke, yeah, one. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Now, I know, I'm not a fan of David Icke, let me just say, straight yeah, up, I'm not, I'm not a fan of... But but because uh, I'm not into the this reptile leadership elite stuff, you know, but at least he's asking questions and he's drawing conclusions and he's... Getting people to think, the reptile people aside, <laughs> but uh, it's don't start me on that. But I, I encourage people to think for themselves. You know, mm. um, 
and here's the thing: if, if, why... if if he if he Go wasn't on. if he's if he's um you know just some crackpot or anybody, I'm not going to weigh in on whether David Icke is right or not, right? Just irrespective yeah. of him or uh, that Dr. Mikovits or whatever her name was and all the other people, right? If they're just some crackpot, according to the establishment, if they're, you know, way out there in la-la land, do they not have the right to freedom of speech? They not again. Forget about Australia for the moment. Think about the yeah. Let's not get started now. But you know. just stopped me very quickly, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I keep. By the way, I keep trying to line my head up with a thing on the top of the screen. I look like I've got a hammocker on or something. I've never a frisbee on my head. Yeah. Um, and, um, but it, you know, I have to do that. Yeah. So, you know, if if they if they are just on crackpot. Let let them be let them be seen for what they are. But the, the problem is if they you know if they're not telling the truth, then surely if the narrative of the establishment narrative is the truth, then the establishment has nothing to fear by letting it be seen. And if it's right, absolute right, and easily proven to be right, again they've got nothing to, to fear because it will just rot away and and, and disappear. So it, it needs. It, it's, it stimulates the question: Why are they coming down? I mean, David Icke on YouTube was just completely closed down, and I'm sure he's not the only one. Um, something should be fact checked and then removed because it's an absolute wrong statement. There was a thing on Facebook recently about a, a Japanese uh, researcher who who was it claimed said that he was um, working with the Wuhan uh, facility on that particular virus and they were funding it and and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so there was a big conspiracy and then i did a fact check and it turns out that despite the fact that his um bio biography with the university in japan that he attends he's a senior fellow there holds a chair um he's never been to wuhan he's never worked on that particular virus it's complete rubbish and yet it was set out as though it was an absolute news item yeah, now I, I lie that the person themselves say no, no, it never happened. Fine, but what? What? So now, just for the sake of good order, that professor, that Japanese professor, doctor, uh, was never in Wuhan by his own statement, all the rest of it, right? Now let's let's take an alternative and let's say that a person like that uh, had been in Wuhan and had done all this stuff and then came out and said that on YouTube. Or on on the internet, like has happened with other people. What would happen because it's happened in, with other people? What would happen is that video would be taken down, despite the fact that it was one hundred percent true because it's, it's coming from the person themselves. Now, of course, they could be telling yeah. lies, but it, it, one could sort of check that as well. But it's not someone telling a story about someone else; it's the person themselves, and that is what has been taken down. Uh, so, but I agree with you. It, the the stuff that's just outright fabricated um and when when you check with the original person who's the subject of the story it doesn't you know they they like no it wasn't me <laughs> um then it could be taken down for sure yeah but, but, you know free speech free speech should be free not i mean if you have the word free speech and then you say but at this point you can't say that well that's not free speech that's controlled speech Hmm. And we should be more about generating or building a society where we consider each other and only speak truth and we only speak uh, rationally. 
so that we have free speech. There is no control because people are not out to hurt anybody. They're not out to be offensive. But what we have at the moment is not free speech. We have controlled speech. But you can say what you like up to this point yep. and no further. So that's not free. That's controlled. Now, I don't agree with David Icke. I didn't agree with Falau, right, with what he said about um, homosexuals and Christians and all that sort of stuff, if you remember. He's saying they all got to go to hell. He's just a footballer. That's all he is. But I disagree and I disagree uh, vehemently with his point of view. And even his interpretation of the Bible is completely wrong. But he has the right to say it, as far as I'm concerned. And the only thing that we did by by um, putting him up, up as some sort of either a, a person who should be slammed or a person who should be supported, we gave energy to his words. If we just ignored him, he would have gone away. But I support his um, access to free speech, even though I disagree completely with what he says. They're just words after all. Just words. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's, it's the it's the found it's the found well, the, one of the fundamental pillars of a desired so-called free society. And you don't need to agree with what someone says, but you support their right. Yeah. That's right. Because who's to say that I'm right? Well, I do. I believe I'm right in everything, but that's another story. Yeah, who's to say right. I am right? That's right. I live in my own reality. I reject yours and, and build my own. Ooh, screw you. Who's to say I'm right every time, right? So if we don't have free speech, we then have we then get into the to the realms of um, of uh, being told what to believe, being told what to think, being told what direction to walk as a group of sheep and a herd, you know? And free, if we don't have free speech, that's where we're going because we'll have um, the government telling us or or um, religions telling us or um, human rights uh, organisations telling us what to believe rather than thinking for ourselves, you know? But that's that's exactly what we already have. Organised organize religion is already doing it. Organised crime. Yeah, has been from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Organised crime does it. Organised government does it. School systems, for example, are nothing more than a compliance and coercion system. Yep. They raise people. You know, we're supposed to be raising children to go out into the work or go out into society and contribute to society, contribute to humankind. I know a lot of people would like to get warm and fuzzy and say, you know, and save the planet and all the rest of it. Um, and that's maybe a topic for another discussion because, you know, no one's, even SDG, the United Nations SDGs, uh, people get all warm and fuzzy. It's all about saving the planet. No, it's not about saving the planet. Saving the planet is merely a, a, a necessity in order to facilitate the ultimate goal of all these people who want to save the planet, namely save the Homo sapien species. That's all. Yeah, uh, yeah. The planet will fucking survive with or without us, right? But anyway, back to schools. Schools are nothing more than the compliance and coercion system. We're supposed to be putting people out into society for the sake of humankind and develop stuff and in, as, as a consequence, planets and life and, and a planet and lifestyle, lives, uh, animals and plants and everything thrive as a, as a consequence of us seeking to sustain homo sapiens species. Yet what we're doing is we're making them, we're, we're in, in, in school time, it's like you will do as you're told. You will not really be a free thinker. You can only be a free thinker within the realms that we allow it. Uh, and yeah. if you don't, then you'll be punished. Right, and we're going to test you now. Apart from some countries, and we are going to test you 
based on a standard which puts apes against sharks, against vegetables, against rocks. Yep. How can you test again? How can you standardize a test against those four different things? You cannot. You, that is exactly what we do. And if you do not comply with what we told you to do, I mean, you have to put your freaking hand up to ask to go to the toilet. I mean, I've told my son, he's seven years old, he's in year one, he has to put his hand up and ask permission to go to the toilet. And I said, what happens if they say no? He says, well, I can't go. I said to him very clearly, you want to go to the toilet, you put your hand up, be, be polite, be respectful. There's no, you know, we don't want to be disrespectful. Put your hand up, be polite, be respectful, and announce you're going to the toilet. And if they want to stop you, you tell them to call me. And if they won't call me, you tell me at the end of school, and I'll have a word with them. Because it is unacceptable that a person, whether it's a child or an adult, is uh, withheld the right to go and relieve themselves when they're in need. Yet that is the and I've seen the letter you sent to a school. I wouldn't want to be the teacher being confronted by you over that issue. Let me tell you, sunshine. Well, you'll be you'll be interested to know that that the uh, that that particular school um, is so non-communicative. They play political games. It's crazy. It's it's no wonder our education system is fucked. When this is the type of communication yeah. that that school well, uh, themselves doing. You know, from the from the very beginning, when a child enters at five years of age or whatever, you know, five and a half, five, depending on their birth date of the year, right through to university. Um, they are taught what to think about subjects they will never use, right? Now, I will never, I don't use math. In fact, my brain doesn't work with maths, right? I'm more the abstract, the esoteric, weird thinker. Um, but maths makes no sense to me whatsoever. There are other people who say, oh, it's poetry. And I can understand what they're saying because they just do it with total freedom the way I write because I can write like a demon, right? I write blogs. I've written for magazines, all sorts of stuff. But they can't write. But they can do maths the way I write and the way I speak or the way I play my trombone. They do maths creatively or artistically. It's a beautiful thing to watch, but it means nothing to me. So why should I be forced to, to, to go to these subjects which have no relevance to me and I will never use in my life? I use a lot of arithmetic, addition, subtraction, etc., but no maths. We need to teach our children and our university people not so much what to think, but how to think. And there's a huge difference in those two concepts. They used to teach it. They used to, you know, they used to read the Greek classics and they used to read literature and all these kind of things and have discussions and have artistic um, activities going on to, to train the brain how to think, not what to think. And so the universities have now come down to this point where you don't learn about IT, you learn about this little sliver of IT, and that's all you learn. Well, that's not building a healthy um, group of people. That's building people that have got narrow vision, um, who, who are not going to ask questions because they're so focused on what they're doing right there. And that's obviously a, a purposeful move. They don't want free thinkers. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm a devoted follower of Jesus and his words, or as I like to call him, Yeshua Ben Yusef, which is his real name. Yep. But yeah. um, I, I, I'm a devout follower of his words, but I do not attend a single um, denomination because all they want to do is make you think like them. And what they yep. think often is not yeah. in the Bible. So if you're a free thinker, you do have a problem. I've been kicked out of churches for just asking questions. 
serious questions, I get kicked out. Um, literally told not to come back, which is interesting. It, it, it is, you know, actually we just got a comment there from Ron Pike saying, uh, we allow ourselves to be slaves to the governing bodies and that has been the way for centuries. When you refuse to follow the rules, you get in massive trouble and you get punished. There is no discipline these days. I agree with that. Let's just see. What? There's no discipline, and I would add to that, and that's Ron Pike. G'day, Ronnie. How you doing, mate? He was the guy I spent a couple of days with in um, in Newcastle on the way back. Right, good mate of mine. Um, very valid. Uh, there's point. also no discipline in, in, in a yeah, very good valid point, and also there's no discipline in the elite either, uh, or, or in our governments. They're, they're very undisciplined in many ways. So that's a very good point, Ron. Well said. Well said indeed. Um, but discipline is a thing that we need. And we need to look, I think, more at the Nordic countries. They're building societies up there, Sweden aside with that stupid uh, thing they want to inject in your hand. That ain't happened to me, I can tell you, Sunshine. Oh, they want to do that? No I chips mean, to me. Oh, yeah. Well, they've got this chip, where's, where's, that chip that they inject into uh, the hand, the back of the thumb there, right? And so instead of using a credit card or your phone or anything, you just hold that up to the doorway or to a, to a payment machine. It also collects your medical data and they can upload that by scanning it and all sorts of things, right? Um, but it will come to the point where if you don't have that, and maybe not in the next 10 years, but the next 20, 30 years maybe, you don't have that, you can't buy anything, you can't transact, you can't move around because you're not tagged. The name or the number of your name on your forehead or the back of your hand. Maybe we should all just go and resolve our chest right now. Say that again, you broke up a bit then. I said maybe we should just all go out and get ourselves yellow star of David patches and slap them on our chest right now. <laughs> yeah, or be like the uh, king and queen of um, Denmark who also wore the uh, star of David. The whole population in the Second World War when Germany walked into Denmark, they were told all Jews have to wear the star of David. So what happened? The entire population wore the Star of David. Right. How gutsy right. was that? Hey? How right. gutsy was that? Up yours, Hitler, they, they said, you know, try and try and determine who's who now. So but we need to, we need that kind of we need that kind of public response from, from here in Australia. We need Australians to stand up and say, we've had enough of this, all right? We don't like what's happening. And that's why I've asked that question about what would happen in Australia if, if not a single person with the word party after their name, they're all independents? What if they got elected to every single seat? What would happen to our government? Uh, would it be chaos? Uh, well, it was, uh, would it be controlled? I think I, re I think I responded on one of the threads there. Life, you know, it's chaos theory. Life is chaos, right? A lot of people don't like to think yep. of it that way, but it's they like to see order. But within within the order is well, sorry, within the chaos is order. Um, the Dutch had, uh, for many years, I think it was 13, 14 years, they had the so-called purple uh, government, um, you know, the pass uh, hearing, which was it, was, it was purple because it was a mixture of left and right, blue and red, and everything in between, basically. So there was no dominant party, no one party, and it, was, it wasn't just two-party system, it was all these different parties uh, had a, a sufficient quantum of people in the in the in the parliament that mm -hmm. there was no wasn't a possibility for two parties the two main parties even to form a coalition 
it had to be a coalition of the many. Um, right. And because of the way the Dutch system works, it was the it was one of the two main parties that was called upon by the Queen. Um, that's how this system works. Called the Queen calls back then. The Queen now the King uh, calls upon the main the the leading group to form a gov try to form a government and see how they go and then they get together and this thing can take forever by the way <laughs> the, the discussions and and and, and the, the back door back room deals and shit that go on yeah they had this they had this coalition that went on for a long time i think it was 13 plus years it was there when i was there and uh it seemed to work uh for a while at least i think people sort of got jack of it after a while because then they sort of wanted to clear they, they were sick of the 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 uh you know the comp the, it was more compromised politics than anything else. There was no one clear line, and people seem to want a clear line. Whether it's they either want a clear line that they love, or they want a clear line that they hate that they can bitch about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying, but I just think that at the well, moment I mean, we're relying too much on. Sorry, go on. I was going to say I don't, I don't, this is, I don't, I do not agree with the two party system though, and I do not agree with the two party preferred system should be first past the post. Well, that's right. And, and that's why I was asking. We have this two-party preferred, but what happens if none of them get elected to their seat? Great. You know? Great. I, reckon the Australian, <laughs> I think I reckon, it would be great. I, I, I seriously reckon the Australian Electrical, Electrical College um, should implement on every ballot paper a box, none of the above, because the only choice you have to vote against everything is to put in a donkey vote, you know, draw a big penis on, yeah. or whatever it is you want to do, right? Cross off as many as you like. Um, but there should be a box, none of the above, as a vote of, because you're, you're obliged to vote in this country. You're forced to put in a vote. Um, they say, oh, if you don't vote, then you get what you deserve, and all, all those, there, there are arguments for and against. But there should be an option to yeah. vote, none of the above, uh, as a vote against the entire system the, ent the entire you know group of politicians are being put forward and uh, if you had both I think that's a good idea. Yeah. it would work <laughs> a good idea i love it um but you have to put in this condition is that at the moment if you do a donkey vote right that vote is counted and it, as far as I, i'm told it goes to the sitting party okay so it's not oh, discarded right. it's gone it, it's awarded to the sitting member yeah the incumbent. So it has to be, if you say, I, I um, choose none of the above, well, then it must go to no party because that's what that square says. Nobody gets my vote, right? So you have voted. You've, you've given voice to the fact that you're all a bunch of wankers, right? And you're all in the pockets of corporations um, and you're not really working for the people. But that's, I don't care how often they say, oh, look, he was a genuine man. He, he, he worked for the people and yada, yada, yada. We just don't see it, do we? So, um, so long. That's a great system. I reckon it's. I reckon it's a fair system, and I think it would fit within the structure because you're still making a vote, but it must be that it doesn't go to the sitting member of that of yeah. that particular electorate. So, so two things, right? One, and none of the above box, and two, change it to a first past the post system. The only problem with any of those options is this: it will take the current parties in government to agree to it. And there is no way they're going to agree to it because what they'd be doing is signing their own death warrant. They know that if they did that, and all these independents were out there, that they would lose a large degree of 
you know, a large number of their, their votes. In fact, they, they may become a minority party in favour of all these dependents because people will then suddenly say, you know what, I'm going to... I." I'm going to go out and vote and, and be who I want to be. Imagine if politicians were truly out there being what they believed as opposed to being you know, dragged up through the ranks of a political system and basically indoctrinated into um, uh, you know, the belief system of that. Ron's come with another comment. What's he saying? I, he says, yeah, I totally so, uh, the party should be able to be voted in. Then it should be, uh, sorry, I totally agree with all parties should be able to be voted in. And it should be. Uh, then it should be if the leader of the party is voting in, they should remain in charge until the term is over. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Thanks, um, Ron. Yeah, we've had we've, we've had way too many changes of leadership in this country. And then when we did, in my opinion, have the absolute best leader option for a long, long time for a couple of decades in Julie Bishop, um, they forced her out. You know, so the fat white middle-aged old guys forced out this incredibly intelligent, uh, witty, well-connected, well, highly respected around the world leader, and we've lost her. Now, I'm not saying I support right-wing or left-wing politics. I'm talking about the leader, the person. We had an opportunity to have an absolute gem of a leader, and what did we get? Same old, same old, you know? Yeah, you look at um, Angela Merkel, the way she's I don't she think we've done too much to about currency's goals there. No, I know. I kept trying to get back. But... You what? Yeah, <laughs> I kept dragging you down a different yeah. rabbit hole. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, just look at you look at Angela Merkel. She's been fantastic for Germany. Uh, Jacinda Ahern, wonderful leader of, of, um, of New Zealand, and she spoke up. And, and, you know, face-to-face -face with Morrison about sending um, or um, deporting New Zealanders back to New Zealand. Um, strong, strong women. Um, and if you look at all of the um, Iceland, for example, where they had a GFC like everywhere else in the world, but the only finance companies or financial institutions that did not fail, in fact, grew, were the ones run by women. Because they were not taking big risks and trying to have pissing competitions or penis-sized competitions with other men. They were just going, this is what we need to do to maintain stability within our company. And they did and they grew, despite what was going on around them. We need more women in power, in my opinion. I love women in power. Like, you what? I love women in power. Who's saying that song? Women yes, in the ones with... The ones with the whips and the, the hot thigh-high leather boots. Yeah, they're cool too. But uh, who was it? Was it, was it Dr. Hook or Sky Hooks with women in uniform? Sky Hooks. And, and Robin Williams once very wisely said that the leaders of every country in the world should be women. That way there'd be no wars. Just every 28 days, really intense negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get ourselves in trouble here because it's no, but here's I'm the thing, I've, I've said that to women, and they laugh. Yeah, they I think it's great. Women I know who would appreciate that too. But um, just before it feels like we're we're beating this whole women in business, women this, women that drum, which you know, I, you I know people who don't know us will probably not realise that we are very balanced on this thing. You know, on this whole gender thing. Oh, yeah. In fact, we don't. And you know, a lot of people will, will be beating the women only, the women founder, the women whatever drum, and hey, more power to you for doing that. And 
for, for you know, sort of like the suffragettes. 20th century, sorry, um, more power to you for making all that work. Uh, I personally find there's a lot of um, uh, reverse sexism sort of, um, what, was that, uh, what was that policy called with regard to the, uh, the African-Americans? I um, uh, can't remember, you know, it was, it was all very pro, it was very pro-African-American, like this pro-women, and it was very anti-Caucasian yeah. in a way it sort of became, you know, where's, where's the stuff for guys? So. Um, Whilst we are, you know, big fans of the idea of more women in power for various reasons, um, and don't read anything into that, uh, you know, what about what about us blokes? You know, and um, we talked earlier what we might, what we're planning on doing. Is there any, does anyone remember? I mean, you and I, I know you do. You remember the, um, you know, those beautiful big boozy business lunches in the eighties and nineties? Yep, yep. You know, whatever happened to that? Now, I know that um, my good friend and, and business partner, Jules Brook from uh, Handle Your NPR, and she's the boss. She's on Ticker TV. Uh, she hosts this uh, Friday lunch um, for women, and it's only women. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's unashamedly a, a boozy Friday lunch. So uh, what if we were to do the gobsmack shows at 11 o'clock on a Friday, and, on a, and from then on from 12 o'clock we'll go over to Zoom, and anyone who wants to join us, bring your uh, bring your whiskey, bring your uh, your beer. If you got bring your whiskey, the Chablis, you know, yeah. um, Chardonnay, whatever's was your thing. Um, twenty year old whiskey is good, or twenty year old and whiskey is good, um, whichever you prefer. <laughs> and, Look, I, uh, I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning, and I felt like a twenty year old. There was none around, so I went back to sleep. <laughs> Ding ding, love it. Ding ding. Yes, I, I think I think having a boozy lunch, right, um, on Zoom, um, and the more the merrier. I think would be a great thing just to discuss what's going on. Um, a wearing of pants is optional. That's yeah, another exactly. one. Um, actually, we could call it that. We could call it that. Pants optional. Pants optional. You can leave your hat on, but pants optional. That's it. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Ron, Ron's here. Absolutely, mate, you're spot on again. If people start to treat everyone equal, there will always be separation that causes conflict, no matter where you are, or lifestyle, or religion, etc. Mate, that is so spot on. We should just have you on yeah. on on the on the screen with us, mate. That'd be so much better. Uh, <laughs> but then again, come along to lunches because the and the idea of these, the, what Jules is doing is. Um, so this amazing group of women, they're all supporting each other and brainstorming stuff and having a great drink and like like you would, you know how you go down a pub, right? And you have or go down a restaurant yeah. or whatever and you have a good lunch and by the time you're onto the third bottle or something, you go the best ideas are coming out. Um that sort of thing. So if anyone's up for that, then um yep. join us. I'll be putting some messages out about it, uh, during the week. So uh, 12 o'clock next Friday on Zoom, and this will be on uh on Facebook Live again at 11 o'clock, though, from now on, if we do that. And it doesn't have to be business networking, right? No. It doesn't have to be business networking, right? Just what we're doing here, discussing, <laughs> clapping our gums. Yep. Just, just know, That's it. The first time I met you was at PJ Gallagher's in Parramatta, right. right? And it was in a network meeting. 
And the idea was to sit down and rather than just sell things to people, which is what a lot of network meetings is all about, it was to ask people, with my background and experience, how can I help you? What advice can I give you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The very first guy I sat down in front of was this little Indian guy, nice enough guy, nice enough character, I guess. I didn't, I never met him before, I don't know him. And he was a marketing expert, okay? And his question to me was, Patrick, how do you think I can go about getting more clients? And he's marketing. How do you answer that? You know, that's why I've been, just, I, I'm completely over networking events. It's all about flogging your own stuff to a small group of people and saying, you know, we've got to support each other, got to support each other. Well, that means you're just doing no good out there in the marketplace and you're relying on these people to, to bolster you up. Yeah, I, so if I it's just people yeah. talking, that'd be great. Yeah, I was going to say I much prefer building relationships with people. If you want to, you know, if people want to refer me, they refer me, not because yeah. they're part of some network which requires them to do so. Um, get to know me, you know, and as, yeah. as we've we've always said, you know, the it's the old, uh, um, um, not Wayne Dyer, bloody uh, Cochrane quote: uh, "Hate me for who I am rather than love me for who I'm not." Exactly. You know, exactly. And get get to know me if you like. If you like who you see, whether we do business, whether we do whether you, I do business with any people you know, or vice versa. Dilly gaff, right? It's just, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's it's uh, a good opportunity to get together. And hey, if people are in the same city, once the whole lockdown is over, we can we can certainly take it to uh, we can certainly take it to a physical venue. Um, probably just have to stand one and a half meters apart. Yeah. Well, in the old days, right, that wouldn't have been easy with you because you're only about half the man you used to be. I am, yeah. Oh, thank God, too. I can drink. You were a big boy. I said 33 <laughs> and a half kilos more, mate. I mean, that's a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> now, you were, a, you were a big boy back then. You've done very well. You're looking good. Thanks, mate. What do you want to drink? <laughs> and you've lost it. In, so I've lost all this weight, and now this won't come back. You know, yeah. I've lost yeah. many kilos. The whole world. You lost it at the right time. I remember. I remember on Ally McBeal, right? There was that. Um, there was that female, old female judge who had a waddle, and one of the partners of the Ally McBeal, the law firm where Ally McBeal worked. Um, he was. He had this fetish for you know older women with waddle. A woggle, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. We're coming up to the top of the hour, mate. I guess we better. Yes, um, mate. We better sign off today. Hey, Ron, thank you so much, mate, for those comments. That were awesome. You are spot yeah, on. Yeah, well done, Ron. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, like I said, we should maybe just have you on this show and look forward to you uh, joining us. Hopefully, on the uh, you can leave your hat on, but pants are optional. Uh, business lunch. That is a good name. I'll see if I can find some. Oh, don't back. tell him that. He will leave his pants off. <laughs> Ron will leave his pants off. Trust me. We're going to have to get evidence of this that. Is he also? <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen if there's no pictures. Um, you need to get in contact. I reckon Simon would be a good one for you to have a chat with, but it'll have to be on, you know, his terms in terms of uh, hours because he's yeah, in Finland. Well, I've got a, I've got a call with uh, with Fraser Hay next Monday at six thirty Australian time, so I'm not averse to doing stuff in the evening. Yeah, all right, um, but he would be in a, in a very interesting. Um, um, I'm going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> Tights to the shorts. 
<laughs> That's an injure. We've been talking about going to uh, the Mardi Gras, and his auntie said, "Well, you're going to be my um, slave. You're going to have a a dog collar. I'm going to have the lead, and you're going to be wearing nothing but tight silver shorts." Oh, I love it. <laughs> the Mardi Gras. <laughs> we, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, we won't go there. Yeah, yes, we can. It won't be a pretty sight. Let me tell you. <laughs> we, we can definitely go there. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. All good. Well, listen. Thanks everyone, much, everyone for watching. Uh, we'll be back um, same bat time. Sorry, new bat time. Eleven o'clock. Uh, Eleven o'clock. Yep. yep. We'll be back on the same bat fan page on Facebook um, on Friday. Look forward to seeing everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good one, mate. Yeah, you too, buddy. Take and care. All the best, man. Take care. Stay, Stay safe. Likewise. Cheers. Bye-bye.